Hey, this is Joe Namath, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Very passionate. Very Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be sucks. Call the number, leave of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined on the line, as always, by the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas, none other than my colleague and co-host, Michael Lagaris, everybody. Yo! What's up? And back in the building, you know him, you love him. The majestic beast, the big stinking Wookiee, Nicholas Kronk, everybody. What is going on, everybody? Hope you're having a good night. Happy to have the whole team back together here for the first time in 2021. Guys, what a breath of fresh air today was for Jet fans. Now, last week when we announced uh, when we had our show, we knew we had a new coach. It felt good. It felt great. But when you get to hear what the coach has to say, even though going into these things, these introductory pressures, very often, guys, got to tell some of the coach speak that's going to come out. You know there's going to be some of those coachisms, some of those things about team unity and team building and all those type of things you hear very often. But... There is possibilities in these press conferences, as we know. A couple years ago with Adam Gase, we saw that an opening introductory press conference can be, can be, foretelling of how your tenure is going to be. If you paid attention to Adam Gase's press conference, which was a train wreck, followed by a train wreck coaching tenure, and he, he did not endear himself to the city of New York, did not make a good first impression, and then never, never got to a scenario where anyone in New York was on his side. Mike, I think that was the opposite today. With our coach, Robert Sala, I think he made a very good first impression. As you know, his personality, I think, is one of the reasons he got the gig. So I didn't expect him to come out and be staring at the ceiling and the floor and all over the room and looking like he was on meth or something like Adam Gase did. I expected (laughs) a professional press conference, which is what we got. We'll get into the details of it in a moment, Mike. But just your first takeaways here in the coach what he had to say what his philosophy is how he's going to go about things we, we referenced it last week how the feeling of just hiring the coach was a 180 from Adam Gase but could this press conference have been any further removed from what we saw a few years ago couldn't be more and you know what I really loved about the press conference was he was just as aggressive just as real as the Rex Ryan press conference was but instead of saying you know, we're calling, we're not, I'm not coming here to kiss Bill Belichick's rings or promising a Super Bowl. He says, our goal is to win championships. And when being asked about the two year stint with Adam Gates as the head coach and the jet culture being uh, changed and being a dumpster fire, essentially, that he's taking over, he embraced that challenge and said, I understand that with regards to the past. We what we do challenge is everybody to really judge us moving forward. When you look at the plan and what we have in place with regards to scheme, offense, defense, special teams and the mindset at which we're going to do it, there is an investment that's going to be made for one another, coaches, players to coaches, coaches to organization, organization to everybody. 
All gas, no break. I love it. All gas, no break. You know, good leadership does have a trickle-down effect. I know a lot of people probably out there know what that's like, whether you're in work for a big company, a small company, whether you're on teams, whether you play team sports, good leadership. Uh, that kind of comes from the top. You know, some of the things, Mike, I liked big time, aside from all gas, no break, which is tremendous. We got a, we got a, we got a WWE-level promo immediately <laughs> for our head coach. So obviously I'm a big fan of that. But when he spoke about his connection with the players and, you know, how he's managed to achieve these connections, because that's what you hear, Mike. You hear a lot of people, a lot of former players, one of the the positives you hear about our new coach is the connections he was able to form with players. And when you hear that, you're like, well, what does that really consist of? What does that mean? Hey, tangibly, how am I supposed to interpret that? I and mean, he explained it. When you make all the players invested in one another, Mike, kind of an offshoot of what you just mentioned a moment ago, you really do play for one another. And you can maybe create a, a, a family atmosphere with the team. I mean, he was very humble. He respected his family a lot, mentioned them. But, you know, I think understanding players' goals, and uh, Vicaro mentioned this in the post. He put an article out right around 6 o'clock. This guy actually, and this is like a 2020, but maybe a more modern way of looking at sports in this era. If you understand what players' goals are, you're going to get the best out of him. And what I mean by that is if you understand that a guy who's on his rookie contract wants to get paid as much as possible on that second contract, for them to do that, they have to play as good as possible. Right. Okay, and a byproduct yep. of a bunch of guys on the same page playing as well as humanly possible is that your team plays well. So him coming out and saying he understands that a lot of these guys, what he's coaching them to do is play as good as they can to make as much money as they can. You don't hear people say things like that. I thought Joe Douglas came out looking great in the course of this press conference, Mike, just in this manner right here. We heard Chris Johnson say the hierarchy has been kind of restructured to a more traditional pattern. We have an owner... We have a GM, we have a coach. The coach reports to the GM, the GM reports to the owner. Normal chain of command here. And what you heard Chris Johnson was say that, how now that's how it's going to work. There's going to be no more coach reporting to the to the owner, which is great. You also heard Robert Salah say when it comes to player personnel decisions, the final say in things is going to be Joe Douglas. You heard Robert Salah say when he came to the facility, what really sold him on it was his family atmosphere, which was created and sold to him by... Joe Douglas. So I think Joe Douglas came out looking tremendous from this. And one other that I liked that Salah said was that, you know, he's going to let Ulbrich call these defensive plays. Our new defensive coordinator, Jeff Ulbrich, he's not going to be calling these plays. He's going to be more of a CEO type coach on the sideline, knows what's going on, not somebody that's going to just have their head on one side of the ball like maybe a Rex Ryan did when he coached defense, like maybe a... Adam Gase did on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Michael LaFleur is going to call the offensive plays. Jeff Olpert is going to call the defensive plays. And then our head coach is going to monitor everything, which is how it should be. So last year, you heard Adam Gase after the Raider game, Mike, when Greg Williams made that call and we lost the game on that Hail Mary. Gase was like, you know, people asked him why he didn't overrule the call because he's the head coach. So the head coach should be the guy to say, no, I don't, I'm not going to, you can't call that play on defense. He felt so re- far removed from overruling Greg Williams because he hasn't been involved in the defensive part of the ball for two years. He let that play go and we lost the game. So that's why you have to have a coach who's going to overrule these guys that's in charge of everything, not just in charge of one side of the ball. One more thing I, I want to mention is his answer when it came to Sam. And I want to hear what you got to say about that because I thought he handled that very well. Didn't say Sam was going to be the starter. Didn't say Sam wouldn't be the starter. Said he has a lot of attributes you could move forward with. Gave him a lot of positives. Threw him a lot of bouquets as you would expect. But didn't commit to him 
Says they have a lot of homework left to do, Mike. I think he handled that question very well also. Kept the door open. Obviously, if Sam Darnold was going to be the quarterback in 2021, he would have committed immediately. Cliff Kingsbury came to the Arizona Cardinals and said, Josh Rosen is our guy. Obviously, that wasn't the case. But he's not even doing that. So that should tell you something there. He He's obviously going to say that he was worth the number three pick or he was the number three pick for a reason because he wants to keep his value high. And we will see going forward where we land with that. As far as the structure. So I live in Texas. Dallas fans all over here. Obviously, in Houston, there's a lot of Texan fans, but Cowboy fans are dominant. And Cowboy fans are so angry all the time because they have to deal with Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is a stubborn owner. There's multiple times the media down here has gone after him, and he just says, that's not how we do it. Essentially, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it, and none of you people are going to tell me otherwise, right? Well, when I just heard about this structural change that Chris Johnson just implemented, you know, I step back and I look at this guy, right? And I feel like he was like this little kid that was just given this great toy back in the day in 20, you know, 2018 when he took over. And he made a mistake at getting Adam Gase. You know, he thought he was doing the right thing. Obviously, he made a mistake. He knows that is the worst ever. But a lot of actions Christopher Johnson has done, you know, changing the uniforms, trying to rebrand the New York Jets to look differently, to act, maybe act differently, right? Then uh, having them during the COVID, uh, uh, you know, paying for a hotel right next to the practice facility so everybody had a place to go, you know, so they could have their family and whatnot. Um, and then when I see a leader who has the power to keep things status quo because they're stubborn and they just do it the way they want to do it, a la Jerry Jones, he changes. And he sets this up the way a franchise should be run. Christopher Johnson or Woody Johnson, when he gets back, will be running the show. Joe Douglas will report to Woody Johnson, the general manager. Joe Douglas has full control over the 53. Joe Douglas will work with the coach. The coach will be the CEO of the, the football team and report to the general manager, but the general manager will have final say over the roster. Wow. Am I dreaming, Keith? It, are the Jets actually structured like a normal franchise? Is this, am I, am I bugging out? Nick, Nick, is this amazing? What do you, Nick, what do you think about this? That, that they were the way they were and now they pivoted to the way it should be. What does that tell you about Mr. Christopher Johnson? To be honest, I, I, I go back to something I heard from the head coach Salah today. I, I forget where I was listening to uh, either Michael K, one, one of the radio shows today. And they asked him a, a similar question. He, he basically mentioned something to the fact where teams that are in disarray, and I'm not quoting him here, but this is what I got out of it, and sometimes have to adapt to what uh, the situation is and the hierarchy can get disrupted as the Jets have had for the last couple of years. Right. He said when a team has an issue, that can happen. He And he said something to the effect, we do not have a problem. This team does not have a problem. So he immediately took ownership over the team that is not even his more than a, a couple days. He's owning up to the past and without throwing anybody under, you know, under the bus. Right. And it's also letting the fan base know that that's not going to happen on his watch moving forward. So 
without, I mean, you can't really go about a presser better than he did it, to be honest. I mean, yeah. How do you not step on toes, not throw somebody under the bus, but still let everybody know that that's not what we're about and we we do not have a problem. Right, so but, but what I'm saying is the fact that ownership, ownership took the, the, the steps and right. they heard the criticisms that you guys do it backwards. Why are you guys so messed up? And a lot of other owners are told Michael Jordan for years. Uh, uh, you know, like I said, Jerry Jones, James Dolan. I mean, you can go around sports. How many of all these owners are told, hey, you should maybe change this up. And they're stubborn and they're stuck in their ways and they're prideful. But this guy changed it. Is that there must not have been, leadership? It must have been something that, they, of course, of, oh, absolutely, Mike. But it must have been something that when they when they talked to you know talked to him, and they got a feel for him, might not even been like football questions that he was just answering. It, it was he said he felt like he was at home, and I'm sure that the organization felt very comfortable with him. And um, to be able to switch like that, it sounds crazy because most teams have been doing it forever, and it's the way that it's supposed to be done. Right. But right. just for them to go to, to 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 you know to realize that they had an issue and to make a change, that's huge. To 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 the character that he wants, because Keith, to me, Chris Johnson, Christopher Johnson wants to win, dude. He wants to. I believe he wants to yeah. win because they don't. He don't. You don't do that, right? Unless and and admit. What he's doing by making that change is like, yo, this wasn't working, so let's change this up so this does work. Right, Johnson, Johnson's for for many good, for a lot of good reasons. We all give them a lot of grief for the way they've handled things, for the way the structure was. But I think it is a time you got to give them a little kudos just for stepping back and saying, all right, let's just do this the right way. Let's let Joe Douglas run the ship. And that's what, like I said earlier, that's kind of what I came out of this press conference knowing is that the person in charge of the New York Jets and the decisions with the New York Jets is Joe Douglas. Right. Robert Salah said that. Johnson said that. We know where everybody stands. It's all clear. And that's what you need. That's what all the successful teams seem to have. Unless you have a coach that has enough clout that he's also the general manager, which doesn't happen very often. But almost right. Gase de facto was that when he got McCagden fired, right? Guys, it was absolutely mind-boggling that we allowed that to happen. But we're two years removed from probably being as dysfunctional as you could possibly be when... Basically, Chris Johnson hired Gase, then Gase gets the GM fired, then we have no GM for a month, and we got Joe Douglas. That whole few months span right there was embarrassing to me, was embarrassing to Mike, was embarrassing to a lot of Jet fans. Yeah. We're too, we're, that's the old days. We're not doing yep. things like that no more, like you guys said. And I'm, I'm really happy about that. I'm happy with the way the press conference went. You know, Chris Johnson always sounds, this is just a side note, always sounds like he's about to cry when he's, he just not, does not have a voice <laughs> that, that has a lot of bass to it or it's pretty confident in you. Oh, I, don't know, I don't know why that is. Like, he started talking, and I'm like, is he upset? No, he just, that's just how he sounds. Yeah. <laughs> but as, as Mike has said many times, we just want the Johnsons to go sell baby wipes, right? Sell yeah. Band-Aids and stay yeah. out of the way. Let Joe Douglas run things. Let our coach here, Robert Salah, run things. Let the football people run things and maybe get us back to a good place. Because when you stuck your nose in our, in our business here, John, Chris Johnson, we had two years of Adam Gase. Okay, now, Todd Bowles might not have been a sparkling personality when it came to the media, but at least Todd Bowles seemed competent, Mike. Right. I know right. He, he seemed he was a robot, but he'd give a football answer, and it would it would make sense. I know he wasn't that great with clock management at the sideline. He had plenty of his own issues, Todd Bowles. But when we went to Adam Gase, we just had two years of what are we doing? And it's hard to not bring him up, and I don't mean to keep doing that, but just to see 
like I said, the 180 when it comes to personality type and the vibe coming out of this, where it seems like you have a coach. Mike, you already said he's reached out to every player on the team. He's reached out to every single player on the team already. That that's awesome. And we're recording this. We're recording awesome. this podcast. Uh, you know, the same day as the press conference, only six or seven hours later. So very impressive to me. You know, the Jets are sitting here. We haven't had a winning season since 2015. Gase was nine and 23. No playoffs the past 10 years. So come in with a vision, you know, when you, when you, and this is one of the things, I guess, with these guys that are going out to be head coaches, why they get hired, why they don't get hired, maybe why the enemy didn't get it hired as fast as maybe people thought they would, because you can't just come in with your idea of how a defense works and your idea of how an offense works, your idea of how special teams work. You have to come in with an idea of how you're going to affect the culture of the team, big picture. Not just X's and O's. And I think that's what Robert Slaw was able to do in his interviews and was able to get across today, Mike, in a major way. Yeah, and the most important part uh, to being a coach is picking out your staff. And he was able to unveil his entire staff today. I was going; We were going through some of these names. I don't know if we want to cover some of these right now. Um, I think the, there are two main ones that who uh, I'm very, very excited about, Mike LaFleur, who has actually been in the Shanahan offense for almost eight years, uh, has was a pass game coordinator with the 49ers, understands that entire system, has play calling experience at Davidson uh, and St. Joseph's from 2011 to 2012. His brother, uh, Matt LaFleur, head coach for the Green Bay Packers. So we're going to get that San Francisco offense, that run dominant passing offense to that has a lot of play action a lot of movement coming uh to floor and park with a young guy named mike lafleur who could be a possible head coaching candidate in the near future if the new york jets do pretty good but i'm pretty excited about him what do you think of him keith never served as an offensive coordinator before but i think he spent you know three seasons as a passing game coordinator there with san francisco in 2019 san francisco had 13 players with, with one touchdown with, with one touchdown reception which tied an nfl record you know kittles blew up that year even last year considering the position they were in they weren't the worst when it came to uh, uh, the, uh, the passing offense and that run game that they have which is very unique to san francisco always no matter who they had in there no matter what back they had in there was very effective and if we're bringing that over I mean, we, we've already seen the blueprint here, man. If you have a really good run game, a really good defense, it doesn't matter if it's 1960 or 2020, your team's going to win games. Right. And if you bring that in here and we have a competent quarterback behind the helm, we don't, we're going to get into that in a minute. We don't know where that's going to be yet. Um, I'm excited about that. I mean, it seems like all the reports you hear about LaFleur are positive. I know if you look around the league and what he's done, the, the kind of mark he's made, places he's been, players have improved. It seems like he's a really good coach. I know the quarterback coach is going to be Rob Calabrese. Spent some time with the Broncos as the quality control coach. Mm -hmm. um, we have another a John Benton, as you mentioned, Mike. He's going to come in as the offensive line coach. 33 years of coaching experience there. Look at 2019, that rushing, that rush. San Francisco, as we know, finished number two in the league rushing. Comes a rushing the ball, at least those zone uh, rushing schemes, tremendous. A lot of good, a lot of good hires here on the offensive side of the ball. And on the defensive side of the ball, we you know they brought Olbrich in, fiery guy from all reports that I saw, Mike. A guy that has a lot of fire, just like our, our current coach. I remember a couple years ago him getting into an argument on the sideline when he was coaching UCLA. Um, so he's another dude, man. Like, it seems like they're bringing in kind of what one of the reasons maybe Salah got hired is that it wasn't just him and what he could bring to the table. It was the staff they thought he'd be able to bring in here to New York. 
because this yeah. is a pretty solid staff. I mean, compared to Adam Gase's yeah. staff, this staff blows Adam Gase's staff. A- ab- absolutely. It blows Todd Bowles. Guys, l- little known fact about uh, the LaFleur family and Michael, uh, his uncle Peter, dominating, dominating legend dodgeball player. <laughs> really? That, yeah, that's true. Mike, he's actually in the Hall of Fame. Dodge, dodge, Bro. dip, dive, and dodge. Unbelievable. Pats yeah. is O'Houlihan. He knew him. That's from the movie Dodgeball, Mike. Peter LaFleur is the main character. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> See, I don't even know. I'm like, Dodgeball. I, I didn't even know Dodgeball. Like I didn't even know Dodgeball had a Hall of Fame. Olberts, as we know, he started last season as an Atlanta assistant head coach and linebackers coach. He was promoted to D coordinator when Raheem Morris took over. Uh, I think it was in October. Raheem Morris took over coaching duty. was swing got canned. Under him, the unit played a lot better. Raheem Morris said of Olberts, AtlantaFalcons.com. I want you guys to hear this. You talk about the ultimate juice in your football team. You're talking about authentic energy. You talk about a guy that can absolutely light up a room when he comes in. He's a former player that knows what it's like to be in the trenches. You can also give them that compassion and learning and a type of development that you can't get unless you have played this game before. So it looks like our D coordinator is also going to be legit. And that will be the guys calling. The, that will be the guy calling the plays on defense this year. Yeah. And our boy, our, our boy, Salah. Obviously, Mike. We know he's going to have a lot of input when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, but. Not calling plays. He's going to stay in the yep. background. Let those guys, let the, let the coaches do what they do best. And then he's going to oversee that, which I think also we mentioned the, the structure of the power structure in the front office. I think when it comes to your coach, I prefer my coach not to be calling the defensive plays or the offensive plays and be able to be cheated on everything instead of just looking at the offensive or defensive side of the ball. What do you think yeah. about that, Mike? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's really the type of approach and strategy and scheme that you really want to have uh, being the CEO of of, uh, of the team. I wanted to ask this question. Um, the defensive line coach, Aaron Whitecotton, uh, he was the 49ers for, uh, assistant de- defensive line coach learning under one of the best uh, uh, NFDL coaches in Chris Couric. And um, he spent, he was working specifically with that beast uh, defensive line over there with San Francisco. Now he's going to be over here and they're going to be changing their defensive scheme up from a 3-4 to a 4-3 that was confirmed today. Um, and I wanted to ask Nick since Nick is our re- resident or Wookie, he's our resident football nerd. So they're going to be changing a 4-3 which means Quinnen no longer is going to be playing in the A-gap. He's going to be playing, well, he, now he's playing DT instead of being a DN, right? So right. he played this way in Alabama. What will this scheme do for a guy like Quinton Williams potentially with having also uh, uh, um, defensive ends on his, on both of his sides and then another D tackle with him? Does this fit more of a, a guy like Quinton Williams? I'm not positive yet, but I don't think that they would change completely if they didn't know one he could do it two he could be very good at it and three the entire defense would benefit from this happening so assuming they have the plan which i'm, I'm sure they do i think he could be a monster inside yeah that's so what i'm also- asking you is what what's the structure like how does that help a guy like him like <laughs> instead of, you have four guys on the line instead of three right so usually he was in the middle or on the right side right or he was playing dn now he's dt so it could be potentially him and uh Fadukasi up front both of them and then you have let's just say Solomon Thomas comes from the, the the 49ers and then you get another DN and it's just those four instead of 
him playing with three. How does that structure help a guy like him? It, it's going to strengthen him as a player overall on defense. And he's going to be uh, obviously being moved to the inside. He's going to be called upon to make more tackles. But you're going to a 4-3. You're instantly saying, for the most part, we're going to shut down runs. And we are going to let the players along our defensive line shine. It's going to gotcha. help out linebackers as well, too. Now, you might see a dip in his production. That's just coming, you know, that's just, you know, happens when you move inside the line. I, I mean, gotcha. obviously. Okay. Yeah, Mike, and you got to think also, um, if it, say they go to a 4-3, it's not like Williams has to play always at D-tackle in the middle. The 4-3 is going to open him up to play more on the inside, but one of the biggest strengths of our team is our young interior defensive lineman. We have Fatu Kasi, we have Franklin Myers, we have Nathan Shepard. All those guys are pretty decent. And along with William, that's four guys that all play on that interior. So in, in a perfect world, I mean, maybe some games he was not going to have. Maybe, maybe when the season starts, he's not going to be playing every snap, I guess, in the interior. He might be playing on the outside a little bit. But I don't think, I think he's good enough that it doesn't really matter at this point what scheme they have, he's going to figure it out and they'll adapt. I mean, you, oh, absolutely. you tailor you tailor that to defense around your best player and our best player on defense definitely is Quinn Williams. So I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes, Mike. And the hires we have, the way the press conference went, there's a lot of positives right now with the Jets. A lot of things are looking up. I don't think anyone's bemoaning um, us getting a couple wins at the end of the season anymore. I think people have kind of gotten over that. And we're just looking forward to what we're going to do. And one of the biggest decisions they're just going to have to make is in that quarterback spot. And I'm interested to see how this is going to play out here because Joe Douglas is going to make the final decision. Salah will probably have some input. But biggest factor looming there when it comes to the future is one Deshaun Watson. Oh. Sean Watson. Now, this might be a pipe dream. This might be wasted energy. This might all be for nothing. I understand. This could be all smoke and mirrors. We've been, we've been discussing this on the side in our jet chat. I've been trying to not even have this be a reality in my mind because the let down would be so bad I know yep exactly. that would be tough to you know um, it'd be tough to hear that they actually negotiated and didn't get them or anything uh, like that but to just to hear <coughs> the fact that they're in the mix the fact that Joe Douglas trades away Jamal Adams gets us all this extra draft capital and then that might end up being what gets us to Sean Watson oh my goodness I'm pretty oh. sure now if that happens Oh. Jet fans, we could just sit. Remember the Grinch after he stole all the toys and he sat there with that smile? <laughs> you remember that part of the cartoon? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. traded, We traded Jamal Adams' whiny ass out of here, got all that draft capital, and then flipped that to get Deshaun Watson? I mean, come on now. That thing was going to be true. But that would be, I mean, I you're, was... hearing, you're hearing uh, three first-round picks. You're hearing a lot of different things mentioned. You're hearing maybe Sam and a couple first-round picks. Whatever the case may be, whatever you got to do, if you can get Deshaun Watson, you got to do it. Look, look, I, I've been kind of like, you know, whatever. And then, uh, you know, this is bit, this story started, and then they put it on the post. And all of a sudden, Deshaun Watson liked the tweet of him on the new, back page of the New York Post. And then Allen Robinson liked it. And we all were like, wow, you, you know. And then, you know, we're hearing reports. I'm here. I'm down here in Houston, and I, I'm listening to local radio. And they're saying that this dude is on pissed with the owner because the owner disrespected him and told him that he would be part of the process and I understand like he's an employee people will be like oh you're a whiny bitch whatever they can say all that stuff but you know what if someone promises you something if somebody says to you that they're going to do something for you and that was one of the things that was part of when you signed that contract that you would have say 
in who they hire at general manager, who they hire at a head coach, and then you just don't do that, that's disrespectful. And, um, you know, people can get on him all they want. I understand why he's angry. I mean, they got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. That whole place is a mess, unfortunately. Um, And so he, you know, from what we know down here, he's really pissed. Okay, now, can right now the Houston Texans are not entertaining on drafting, uh, trading him at this moment. But if he forces his way like the way Jay Cutler did over there in Denver, then they may have to go ahead and trade. And when you got guys like, like Richard Sherman coming out on Twitter saying, I'd get out there as quickly as possible and head to New York in green. Yo, like in my heart, like I was like, yo, Wirecats telling, telling people to come to us. Like when did we become a destination? <laughs> That well, would be mainstream. Like, what spot, right? is this? I know. I know. It was like, it was just, Pete, it was like, you know what? Even if we don't get him, you know what I'm saying? Like, the fact that he would be like, yo, go to the Jets. The I know, Jets- but Mike, you you always do this. I think it's because you I think it's because you moved or something. You always, like, for some reason in your mind are surprised somehow. You're like, oh, why would this guy want to coach us? Why would this guy want to come here? As if I'm not like, used to no, it. as if as if our team is we're we're Spokane, Washington. Yo, it's New York <laughs> City, bro. This is the biggest city on the planet. It's not Tuscaloosa, <laughs> Alabama. It's not Cleveland, Ohio, bro. It's not yeah. the middle of nowhere. It's New York. Stop doing that. Stop being surprised. Of course, people want to come here. I know the Jets have stunk, but it's not like we're talking about a team or a town that doesn't support their team. We're number two in attendance, like you said. The fan base is foaming at the mouth. You have the most cap space in the league. You have a million draft picks. You should want to come here. And I'm, I'm amped that Joe Douglas, like I said, put us in a position where we have enough in the bank here that there's a we might theoretically may be able to make that happen, which would we just... We might. We might. I know, we have I, know the Elijah, I know Elijah and Tabitha would be traumatized down there in Houston, but Mike, I can't worry about that. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. I got to tell, uh-huh. tell them both. I got to tell and, wife and I got to tell your and, son, we need Watson here more than they need him in Houston. Nope, I'm sorry, nope. guys. And then the thing is, Keith and Nick, is that it was confirmed that the New York, here, New York is where the agent and, and his preferred destination per source now I don't know how accurate these sources are. It's on social media that that New York is his preferred destination. Now, Desha- we talked about this already. If Deshaun Watson were to come to New York City, he instantly is king of New York. Instantly, Absolutely. there is not there is uh, not a immediate. Yankee. There isn't a Yankee. There isn't a Ranger. Yeah, there isn't a, right a, a a Nick or a Met or anybody that will come even close to Deshaun. Watson, that dude would run. The closest would probably be Aaron Judge and Saquon Barkley. Those yeah. are the Life two. That, I would say that, that should be a commercial. If he comes to the Jets, they should have a commercial like they did back in the '80s, or I'm sorry, late '80s, early '90s, with Michael, Larry, and they should have some kind of commercial come back with all the guys you just spoke of, like the young cats, R.J. Barrett from the Knicks. Get one of uh, the. I can't even pronounce his last name, the goalie for the Rangers, the young cat. Get all these dudes in one commercial and be like, yo, this is New York sports. Like, right. everything. Like, I mean, if you go everything. back, just not Nick, the Bills, if, you, if you go back to the 90s, New York athletes, it was so hard to be king of New York. You had Mark Messier, 
Derek, you had Derek Jeter, Mark Messier, Patrick Ewing. Okay, you Mike had Piazza. Mike, Mike Piazza. Piazza. You Piazza. had son. There were legends in this city, bro. You couldn't just walk here and try to strut your stuff. Right now, it's barren, Keith. Yeah, we're lacking. We're lacking right now. If you look around, I mean, the Yankees obviously have plenty of good players, but I think uh, definitely Aaron Judge would be the guy. He's the most talented guy they have, and I think you look, you look over at the Mets and, you, and we got Degrom, who's a beast, and you got Alonso. But Alonso's personality, Alonso's person, and Alonso just burst on the scene, right? Yeah, but his and his personality is super chill. So he, I don't think he's taking the city over. I think you're correct, Mike. We don't have no, we don't have any Knicks. Um, I, I, the Nets, I guess, count. But I mean, do we do we rep Harden and do we rep Kyrie Irving? Get out of my face! You know what I'm saying? Like, none of us are feeling them. So if Watson came here, Kevin Durant, no, no, thank you. I mean, they, they, they act uh, like they act like they're you know Brooklyn, bro. Get stop. No one's Nick fancy trying well, to hear that. So Mike, Mike, to your point, if Watson came here. You think, I mean, he's one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. You come to New York, obviously, he's going to be a commodity. Like, I mean, I know he's in Houston. I know he has some commercial that are national. Don't get me wrong. But the, the comparison I always give to Mike is that back when uh, we were talking, I was like, Mike, remember Mark Sanchez was on, like, national TV commercials for, like, three right. seasons? He was in commercial with, like, Drew Brees. That was that one during the playoffs. I think it was, like, for, for Sharp TVs or something. He, like, came out of the woods throwing footballs. Like, that was not the whole – the whole country saw that. That was Mark Sanchez. Right, right. Mark, and, and the Mark, thing is, and, and Keith, the thing is here, let me be real with you. He's not the man here. J.J. Watt is. J.J. Watt is the one that's on billboards and doing commercials. And is to, he's the brand, not Watson. I already, I already told Wifey, if Deshaun Watson comes here, son or daughter, they're going to name Deshaun, my first child. <laughs> I don't care. It doesn't, it doesn't make a difference to me if he comes here. That's how committed I am. And I said that live in the pockets, and I'll stick to it. My wife's over in the corner saying that's a great idea. She agrees with me 100%. Now, that's almost like too good to be true type scenario, Mike. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that has Jet fans salivating at the mouth, as it should, because I'm, I'm 40 years old. In my life, I've never had an elite quarterback be on the New York Jets. I don't even know what that feels like. So, my quarterbacks for one season, like Vinny, like Fitzpatrick, that one year play really good. But we don't know what it's like to have a guy play elite for a stretch of, of football for a long time. I and mean, he's only 25 years old. I mean, God, I don't even want to talk about it. It gets, yeah. it gets me, so it gets me well, going crazy. I just want to say I'm really happy that Wookie's back. I know you were stuck in Los Huevos. Um, I don't know if they hit you with that elixir, or I don't even know if you can take a, a type of. You have to get a special elixir. You know, I don't know. Exactly Exactly, but we didn't do any football with uh, in the playoffs because we wanted to wait for you. So, because we want to do our, you know, our predictions. Um, so we, Keith and I, decided not to to talk about that. I wanted to wait for you to get back to get over get over COVID nineteen. How you doing with all that? I mean, guys, I, they treated me so well down in Los Huevos. It was uh, it was it was something else. It was something else. I I, I didn't get a bad case. I don't want to complain. Now I heard they gave of- you. To heal you, they gave you a dose of the COVID cocktail and also a mix of various edibles. It was spectacular. Like, I started jumping out of my seat after I had a couple of that, uh, you know, that elixir. Um, okay, okay. So let me ask you what you think, Wook. Um, the playoffs, we know we're in the final four here of the playoffs. Tampa Bay whooped the Saints last week. We got Tampa Bay, Green Bay. We got Buffalo, Casey. Let's just let's talk about these two games, guys, and we'll get out of here real quick. Green Bay's three-and-a-half-point favorites on Tampa Bay, the home game for, for the Packers here. Packers have just been rolling, and you know it's really all to me on the shoulders of Aaron Rodgers. I know Aaron Aaron Jones is great, Devontae Adams is tremendous. The defense has improved; it's probably a little bit better than people think. But Aaron Rodgers, in his career, the different times for whatever he's felt like he's been challenged. You know, obviously they drafted Jordan Love last year, and I think he was a little insulted by that. They don't draft a receiver; they draft Love. That dude just 
is just balling this year. Oh, like, he is just absolutely like a man on a mission. You know, and I know Tom Brady, I'm sure, is Tom Brady. Tom Brady is on the same wave. Like, these guys are both playing just completely ridiculous the way they're both playing. But I don't know. I don't see how, to me, I don't see how Tampa Bay, though, as good as they're playing, is going to come away beating this Green Bay Packer team the way Aaron Rodgers is playing in, in Lambeau. That team just seems like it's on fire right now to me, Whoop. I was thinking about it the other day, listening to a bunch of people, and it made sense over you know either radio or TV shows. Um, if Green Bay can run the ball effectively, I think they're going to walk out of there easily winning that game. If for some reason they can't get the running game going, is the only way I, I, I could see if they make Aaron Rodgers a one-trick pony and I understand he could be, at that point, the greatest one-trick pony I've ever seen in my life, play quarterback. Um, that could cause him a little bit of problems. But I, I don't see Green Bay losing that game unless the running game completely goes to you-know-what. What do you think, Mike? Uh, I think the Packers are definitely going to win. Um, the only way Buccaneers will win if um, they use Leonard Fournette uh, the way they've been using him uh, in some of the passing game. And him just being able to abuse the and move the front of the line, Brady, using Godwin, using Evans, um, you know, potentially to keep up with the Packers. But I just think Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind. I think Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. He's the best quarterback in the NFL right now, in my opinion. He just is. It's just, yeah, you know, this is this is Aaron Rodgers, and you're not stop like. You, you and I both know, we talk about this, like when you have a great player at his greatest, you're not stopping him, son. Yeah. Like when Jordan you know was at his best, you're not stopping can I, him. Can I throw something at you, Mike? Me, me, I'll throw this at the Wook, too, because me and Mike have talked about this. We, have, we haven't spoken about this before the show, guys, but as good as Aaron Rodgers is, and we know he's one of the best ever, only has the one Super Bowl. And, and I'm not saying his play has dipped in the playoffs like at a Peyton Manning level, Mike, as me and you talked about that one time. But he still has the one Super Bowl. I feel like Aaron Rodgers is on a mission. I know the stats are great. The MVP is great. But he wants to get that second Super Bowl to kind of just really cement his legacy as one of the GOATs. Because no matter what, he has the one. Don't get me wrong. And his stats are tremendous. But if you want to be considered one of the greatest ever, you can't have just one. The, to me, just one Super Bowl. It, exactly. Like, I, in our fantasy league, I have one uh, fantasy football chip. And there are two people who have multiple and no one else has multiple and i'm on a mission to win a second to make sure that i cement my legacy as one of the best fantasy football owners i can absolutely understand that perspective because when you just have one you know it's good but you know you got to get a second there and then of course if you have a third and a fourth and a fifth that makes and obviously adds more to your legacy but that's what aaron Rodgers is on a mission to do and i absolutely believe that he's going to do it. Um, we'll talk about who's going from the AFC, but I definitely, 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 definitely think that the uh, Packers are going to win here. I think Adams is playing out of his mind. I feel like my, Matt LaFleur, Keith, was yeah. perfect, perfect for Aaron Rodgers. He yeah. was, and his scheme, which is probably very similar to what the Jets are going to be running, yeah. was perfect for for Aaron Rodgers, so I was, and I and I do hope I I really do hope he goes out and gets Super. I'm kind of pulling for them this year because you look at it like he's played I think 14 seasons. He has one Super Bowl, so for competitors to him, he looks at it as 13 years that he didn't win it, and only one year he did. You know, doesn't matter if he got knocked out in the first round or the NFC Championship, the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl is the goal. You know, no one cares how many times you lose it. People just remember how many times you won. Unless you're the Bills and you never win it. If you never win it, never have won it, everyone will remember how many times you lost. 
<laughs> that's how it works. But as long as you get a few championships, uh, I think he's gonna he's gonna really cement himself. Already statistically one of the greatest of all time. But I think that second Super Bowl really cemented in. But then we go over to maybe another future greatest of all time early in his career. A little bit of a question if he's going to be on the field out there for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. He got smashed last week in a way that they said kind of, comp- I know it was obviously a concussion, guys, but it was more, what I read, guys, was it was more like equivalent to in the UFC when someone gets choked out because he kind of squished a nerve in his neck or something like that. I know you guys saw that too. Yeah. So that's like, and I don't know. It was head, odd like, because I, I never saw his head hit the ground or hit that, anything right. in the replay. I'm like, I don't want to say, obviously the kids the kids messed up, but I didn't see like where this hit anything. It was a strange hit. It was like a one in a million hit you don't see very often. And when he got up, it looked similar. You guys watch the UFC all the time. It looked similar after a guy gets choked out and maybe he gets up too quick. Yeah. And he can't, can't support right. himself. A concussion, guys don't just get up like that. They're like, no. You know, that was so, the whole way it played out, we were all watching and messaged one of them like, oh, that looked really weird. And I don't know, to me, I don't know if it's better if he's in the, obviously in the concussion protocol, he's been practicing all week and all reports are that he's going to probably be out Yeah, there. he's going to be fine. I don't yeah. know. I don't know, guys. I don't know if it's better to like get a concussion or to have something similar to being choked out. I don't know which one of those is better, to be honest with you. But I know that if we have any hope, guys, of the Hill people not making it to the Super Bowl, He's got to play. I kind of, but here's the thing, Keith. I kind of, like, I want the Chiefs to win. No question, okay? Because I can't stand the Hill people. I know what you're going to say. I already know what you're going to say. But I kind of, kind of want them to go to the Super Bowl and get whooped for the fifth time. <laughs> oh, that would just be so rich, man. But, 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 but we'll see what happens. If they win, you know. We'll see what happens. But I, I do want to see Patrick Mahomes versus Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl. COVID has been terrible. All of us have gone through just such a traumatic year. Couldn't the football gods just bless us with the sickest Super Bowl you could ever imagine? Patrick Mahomes and the can Oh, it's uh, Chad Henne. Yes. Who, who right now? Anybody that listens to this podcast and comments on this later on, or anybody that's going to watch the game, who's going, you know what, I really kind of want to see Chad Henney against Josh Allen. Oh. Who's saying that? Bills fans, that's it. Well, Bills. yeah. I forget that they're actually human, so that's why I didn't think about them. They're, 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 they're just, I, I mean, most of them, I mean, you know the hell people, most of them don't have televisions, or, you know, all scuttle around a bar somewhere down there well, in Buffalo. But that's we, why, we that's why you guys have, that's why you guys have so many vaccines over there, because you don't need to immunize those people. They're already... Well, that's what I was saying. Like we said in the past, the the COVID virus has been in the animal kingdom for already 100 years. So that's why the whole city of Buffalo in that area is already fine. They don't have to worry about anything. The hell people have already been inoculated hundreds of years ago. Herd immunity. Yeah, just herd immunity. It's just Darwinism, basically. Those animals animals, animals have already dealt with this disease. (laughs) The strongest animals survived in Buffalo. And break the table and can get up. You don't get the virus. Oh, there it is. Guys, we have to hope. Um, and obviously, obviously, guys, we the, the Bills have been a much better team than I thought this year. And Josh Allen's been way better than I thought. And all those things. We joke around about the Hill people, but I do have to eat crow on that myself. I will admit that. But I have to hope 
the Chiefs go out there and whoop them. And I do think if Patrick Mahomes plays, if you have a healthy Patrick Mahomes there in KC, I do think they will win that game. Yeah. I think Kansas City's defense is probably a little bit better than people think. Buffalo's Buffalo's defense on the flip side, that's why I'm so surprised the Ravens couldn't get anything done last week because Buffalo's defense this year wasn't as great as it was in the previous couple seasons. I mean, you could actually get some yards on them. They were kind of middle of the pack when it came to yards per game. So I thought the Ravens would be able to do some work, but they have good coaching out there in Buffalo. They have a good coach. So we'll see what happens, man. But obviously, I'm pulling for the Chiefs, pulling for that great Super Bowl. I do think the Chiefs are going to win. What do you guys think in this game? If Mahomes is out there and he's healthy, all things 100% for each team, who do you think comes away with the W? I think the Chiefs are a better team. Um, I, I don't know why I just have this weird feeling the Bills are going to make the Super Bowl. I don't know why I've, I've just felt that way just because, I don't know, maybe I'm just traumatized. Uh, but I, I think the Chiefs are better, and if Mahomes plays, I think the Chiefs should win. That That's how I'll say it. It's interesting. These games are going to be great regardless, and if the uh, previous games kind of uh, tell the tale of what the rest of the playoffs are going to hold, um, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'll, I'll, I'll give my predictions. I'm going to say Tampa Bay 21-17. Wow. Even though, even though I I, I, I I hate so much going against Rodgers. Obviously, I'm banking on Mahomes playing. If he doesn't, this goes out the window. But I will say they, they'll win 34-28. Okay. I'm going to say the Packers yep. game is going to be 31-17 Packers. And the Chiefs game... Chiefs game, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say 24, uh, I'll say 31 to 27 Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I think all the games will be tight. I'm not good with scores and stuff, but I do think that Green Bay is going to take a W. I think maybe, the, I think it's going to be probably a little tighter than people think defensively, maybe 24-20 Green Bay. And I think the Chiefs are going to hopefully just whoop the Bills. I'm just going to try yeah. to wish this, I'm trying to wish this into existence. Yeah. And I'm going to predict a 40 to, 40 to 10. Chiefs. Okay, <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's man, let's go. Let's go. Let's here. You know, here we, we come away from today, guys, with uh, we're very happy to have the Wookiee back in the building with us. Happy to have a new coach here for the Jets. A lot of uh, a lot of positives came from the press conference today, Mike. And on the flip side of that, we didn't get to talk about this. We we mentioned it for a second, Mike, and we'll get out of here right after this. The wildness, the absolute utter wildness of Dan Campbell's press conference in Detroit. Oh, right. and now we talk about Rex coming in strong. I think he kind of got like he tried to give a, like a fiery speech. He got caught up in like a 1988 Macho Man kind of WWE promo. And I don't know what the hell he was saying in the middle of it, but I'm much, I'm very happy. I'm going to say that we have Robert Salah in the building after hearing that idiot get up and speak in front of a microphone. Uh, he might be, the people of Detroit might be happy, but this is what this, this, is what this guy said, uh, AEBG fans. This team's going to be built on, pause. We're going to kick you in the teeth, right? And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. All right? And we're going to stand up, and it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap. And we're going to get up. And it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, then we're going to take another hunk out of you. It's like, dude, what is, what's happening right now? What's happening? First of all... First of all, Wookie, so, I think you mentioned, Wookie, you mentioned this earlier. You only have a certain amount of kneecaps. I can't. I can't. I can't. You can't take out, <laughs> how many pieces are you going to take out of another human and this human continues to knock you down 
in this hypothetical, is this The Walking Dead? What? It's a zombie. Like at this point, he's taking seven pieces out of a human, and they and if you're if you're keep getting knocked down. Oh, man. <laughs> my bad. What, what was the first line where he led into the conference with? First line. This is how he got into it. He said, um, he said, so this team is going to be built on, and then he paused and said, we're going to kick you in the teeth, right? Go right from there. If we go through this fight team, he kicks you in the teeth, and then he puts them back, and then after that, they're going to smile at you. But then you knock them down on the way up, they're gonna bite your kneecap off. What the hell? It's like, what is happening here? So you're leaving your foes kneecapless. And with the best part is, this is what I'm saying, a guy with no kneecaps at this point has knocked your guy down three times. Uh, I mean, what are you doing, Campbell? Are you listening to what you're saying? (laughs) It's so funny, man. When you actually go through and listen, you're like, you know how dumb this sounds? Like. There's so many other ways you could have gone about this, but this hypothetical, you've actually destroyed this person. You've taken bites out of them. They have no kneecaps three times, and you still keep getting knocked down and getting up. So you're actually the jabroni in this hypothetical. Do you um, want to talk about wasting a career? Matthew that, Stafford may have been one of the best quarterbacks drafted, and they have just wasted his entire career. The Detroit Lions have ruined how many careers? I mean, oh, Beth Sanders, Megatron... Stafford. Your career too, man. 200. I looked it up just now, man. 282 touchdowns, 144 picks. He's had a pretty decent career, man. If you if you look at his overall stats, how he's played in his career, his QB ratings around a 90. But people just go there to die in Detroit, man. And I'm happy. I mean, think about it. Robert Salah is from Dearborn. Yeah. Okay, it's in Wayne County, which is in Detroit. It's a Detroit metro area, right? It's like it's like someone being from Westchester, Mike, or being from Long Island, or being from Rockland County. And having a chance to coach the Jets and being like, peace, I'm going to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, he had no interest. He, he wanted to come to the Jets, which is which is, which is is good for us. But also, we know what Detroit is. Detroit's a dumpster fire. That's what we got for you this week. So, Jet fans, I hope you're excited about your new coach. I hope you're, we were able to make you laugh a little bit this week. Mike, if anyone does want to get at us, support us, listen to us in any way, shape, or form, where could they do that? Well, we're hosted on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker.com. Please follow us on Facebook at at abg.jetsradio on twitter at abg underscore nyj podcast and on instagram at jet.aebg you heard the man if you have any time everybody get on there on itunes give us a five-star review that'd be very helpful on behalf of the biggest jet fan in the state of texas michael agaris and the big stinking wookie nicholas cronk my name is keith farrell getting out of here this week everybody hey this is john amos and uh, they say it ain't easy being green are you ready the New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Are very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the sucks. Don't believe it.